0: Listener production. Returning to work after maternity leave can be scary. But is it possible to do it well? So a successful return to work after
1: maternity leave is one in which a woman is fully aware of the process of matrices that she's going through. So the huge transformation that's happening for her as she learns to navigate life with her child. And she's ready to bring kindness to this process and um, support herself in the way that she needs to and also one in which her workplace is aware of these changes too and can support her fully and embrace her as she comes back.
0: Today on Feed, Play, Love, some tips on how to ease back into the working world after having a baby. Feed, Play, Love with Siobhan Hunt. I remember going back to work after having my kids and both times I found it so hard. It was like being separated from part of my body. And then when I was finally in the world of adults, which I had craved, I had nothing to talk about. My next guest is a life coach who helps mums transition back to work and she has some tips on how to do it well. Elise Clement, welcome to Feed Play Love. Hi, Shagone. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Why is this particular transition so challenging? I ask that because we do have other transitions, right? Like coming back after a holiday or maybe starting a new job. But this particular transition is quite unique, isn't it? Um, It is unique. It's one for which we don't necessarily have words or
1: language. Uh, I like how you describe feeling like you were disconnected from your body because usually... Um, this is what happens to a woman when she transitions into this role in her life of, of being a mother. Um, there is an inner split. This is how it's described usually um, when we look at this transition through the lens of um, uh, which I will be explaining very shortly. <laughs> but the inner split is this t- sensation of feeling like we want to stay with our child, we want to spend as much time as we can with our child, and at the same time, we feel like, you know, we need something else. We need to be contributing out there. We need to be socializing. We need to be stimulating our brains in a different way. And there's this, this force between these opposite, <laughs> um, you know, desires
0: that is really hard for a woman to reconcile and navigate. Well, let's talk a bit about matrescence because I think there is a more of an awareness of it now. But we could go further, right? More people need to understand what this is about and what why it's so big. What is matrescence? So matrescence is described as the process of
1: transformation that takes place um, for a woman in her mothering years. So um, it's, you know, it's it's something that has been studied um back in the 70s by an anthropologist called Dana Raphael. And it didn't really take off until more recently, when a clinical psychologist in the U.S. called Dr. Aralee Athen started to really deep dive into the research. Um, And really what it's about, it's um, looking at this transition, a little bit like we look at adolescence. We know that when kids transition into adulthood, they're going through a phase of... um, big shifts and changes physically, hormonally, mentally, spiritually. The same happens for a woman. It's, you know, it's not that she steps very naturally into a a role as a mother because she delivered her baby. (laughs) It's a process that um, takes time and patience and an understanding that her world is going to be turned upside down, most likely. Different experiences because we're all unique and we, you know, have very different external life circumstances as well but uh, most likely it's going to change the way she relates to others it's going to change the way she views herself it's going to change the way she approaches work which is you know really what is um, our conversation is about today so it's uh, something that really all women should be aware of and as you said a lot more um is being said about that um you know uh, now but um it's not about. It's it's also not something that only the woman who is tra- traversing this experience should know about. But it's you know something that everyone should know about in her community and also her workplace. That's what I want to make very clear. Because often we put the pressure on the on the on the mother to you know n- know and, and and sort herself out and and be a certain way. But it, it's a community work. Yeah, that we're talking about. So
0: mm. how do you see that? massive change that matrescence, which is an evolution, right? It it, it's a continuum. So it's from when your baby's born all the way, I think, through a woman's life. But if we're talking about that return to work, how can understanding matrescence help a woman navigate going back to work? The first thing that comes to mind here is
1: Understanding matrescence helps us understand that it's a process. And with all process processes, <laughs> um, we need to find our feet. We need to find our groove. So it takes time. And if we understand that, we're able to normalize our experience a little bit more. So the feelings that I mentioned before of inner split, of being pulled in different directions, of having so many competing priorities that we're not too sure where to start. All of a sudden, all of this becomes normal. We're not the only ones going through that. It's a phase of transition. It's like a new beginning. And the reason why it feels um, very hard often um, for mothers is because they've known themselves in a particular way at work before they left. Often there were other achievers <laughs> and they were, you know, they were navigating a very different set of priorities. And they go back to work and they have this feeling that they want to. Um, return to who they were before, whereas this is not the the, the the goal here. The goal is to know ourselves in a different place, in a different role, at a different time of our lives, so rediscover ourselves in a way. And this takes time. It's not something that's going to happen just week one or after, you know, um, a month back. And um, so that's that's also the the first thing to understand. Normalizing the experience is what matrescence helps us do. Bringing kindness to the process, so being really um, kind to ourselves, knowing what support is going to help us navigate through these signs. And the other thing I want to point out um, um, is this understanding of the, the good mother um, and, and the, the traps that we can fall into if we haven't fully understood that we are navigating also cultural, a cultural context, <laughs> Where a mother is seen in a particular way, or well, there are lots of like rules around what a mother should be like what she should be doing and if we have internalized a lot of these shoots of you know we should be um cooking everything from scratch, we should be um you know picking up our kids every day um you know, after school finishes or like, I don't don't know, all of these shoes that we internalize from our own upbringing and from society around us, then we're going to put a lot of pressure on ourselves to perform in a mothering (laughs) to a certain standard. And if we add to that the layer of performance that's required of us (laughs) from work,
0: (laughs) it becomes a lot for us to carry. Yeah, And that idea of the good mother... I feel ties directly into the idea of mother guilt, which was not a concept I was familiar with even when my babies were small. But then I remember a friend who was working with children said, oh, the mother guilt. I was like, oh, what does that mean? And boy, do I understand it now. (laughs) But I do feel that 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 guilt often is more likely to kick in when you have other interests or especially work, because work can take such a huge amount of your time, away from the home. So as soon as you start moving away from the home or away from where you feel the good mother needs to be with their child, mother guilt begins. Do you see that link too?
1: Absolutely. Um, and mother guilt is almost a symptom of this um social context that we're living in, and um, here I just want to pause for a moment to acknowledge um, where I've learned everything, and I'm not, you know, all of these concepts and all of this, um, there's a lot that I've learned from Amy Taylor-Kabals, Cabals, is an amazing author and educator in the world of matrescence and motherhood, and Dr. Sophie Brock is also an amazing sociologist who does a lot of um, research in, into the social or, you know, society constructs around motherhood. So I just want to acknowledge these amazing women for a moment and a big insight I've taken from them is this, yes, this, this cycle that we're in as a result of all this, these expectations of society. We're in a cycle of guilt and anger, like a trap that goes on. So we have all these rules that we think we need to live by. If we are not living by them, we're going to feel a perception of judgment and guilt is going to start kicking in because it's really hard to manage, if not unrealistic, to manage all these balls like this and, <laughs> you know, be everything and every everything for everyone, we're going to start feeling resentment and feeling mm. anger bubbling up. And there's a lot at the moment also that's being said about mother anger and mother rage and all of that. And and I don't like the way that it's put on, like it's, it's a symptom again of like a woman going through a a bit of a rough time, it's actually also the way society is built and um, the lack of support that exists for parents in general, and I'm talking about women and mothers, but for parents in general, in a system that's not built for families to thrive, really. There is a woman called Amy Westervelt. I think she's the one who said, we expect women to work like they don't have children and to raise their children as if they didn't work. Yes. So, whatever you're going to do anyway, <laughs> <that> <laughs> yeah, it's really important to be aware of that. Yes, because we, are, we we live in this context at the moment where we're going to be doing whatever we do. So, when we're aware of that, we can all of a sudden take a step back and think, okay, what, what actually matters to me? How do I want to be as a ma- mother? What's really important to me?
0: You mentioned there that. Um, We don't really support parents, uh, certainly not in this work education dance that is there, whether it's the kids in primary school or if you're working and the kids are in care. Either way, it is not set up to help parents achieve success on any level. And often where we need support when we're returning to work as women is our partner, partner whether whatever relationship we're in, if if we have someone doing this parenting thing with us, that's the thing that counts, right? When women are planning to go back to work, what are the sort of conversations they need to be having with their partner so that they can have an easier transition? That's a very, very important point because
1: often we can... um fall into gendered roles without even I mean without being conscious about it. <laughs> and all, this, all of a sudden again feeling very resentful for the fact that we're carrying a lot of the mental load as it's um you know called and wondering how we got there in the first place. So as much as possible, being able to have a conversation with our partners about what what ultimately would make us feel good about the, the type of partnership we're creating in our family. Again, it's gonna look very different um, for, for everyone, but it's about, um, there's a, a woman called Eve Rotsky, who's written an amazing book called Fair Play. And she talks a lot about that, about making sure that you're aiming for fairness, not necessarily equality as in dividing tasks 50-50 between you, know, you and your partner, But aiming for fairness, meaning that everyone's really feeling okay about what they are going to be responsible for in the management of the household, let's say. Because often what happens is that by default, women are the ones, or mothers are the ones who are going to be getting the calls from daycare or school, or the ones who are going to make all the doctor's appointments. And who said that it (laughs) had to be this way, right? And again, um, you know, all time is created equal. So whatever you do in the home matters as much as what you do outside the home when it comes to, you know, division of like tasks and and, and understanding what goes into raising children <laughs> and managing a household. So really important to have this really fair and honest conversation with our partners about how do we want this to look like? And what do I need as a mother with returning to work after, you know, maybe a longer period of time off work to feel really supported and to feel like I can be present to my children, but also to my work in the way that I want. And that also may include support outside of partners because it's, again, let's face it, you know, two people having to face all of the responsibilities of what it takes to manage a household is a, is a very big, um, ask. So maybe it's grandparents, maybe it is, um, other facilities or other types of support that are hired, if that's an option. Really brainstorming everything that could make a huge difference in the way we divide and conquer. <laughs> I don't know why this phrase just getting to me, but it's it's about that really. It's about being a little bit more aware of what goes into the, the running of a household and and making sure we aim for fairness again.
0: Mm. Yeah. I'll never forget at one point in my career, I started working more hours and I was chatting with uh, Maggie Dent, the amazing parenting educator about it. And I said something and she just looked at me and she said, Chev, you've got to get a cleaner. And the way she explained it was, you know, you're in a bath, you've got all these things and you're putting more things in the bath and unless you take something out, the bath is going to overflow. She said, so you may be working more hours and that is great for you and it's great for your family, but what's not great for you is if you're still trying to do all the things, you have to appreciate that everyone only has so much capacity. And I feel that a lot of working women will often just keep Forging ahead, thinking that we can do it all. And we only realize we can't do it all when everything collapses. And we don't want anyone to get to that point, do we? No. And
1: that's such a beautiful image you shared, Amis. It's about going back to this awareness of how all of this is affecting your mental, emotional, physical well-being as well. And knowing that we're not meant to do this alone anyway. We were never meant to do this alone. And again, we have to go back to bringing in the support that we need. I'm totally aware as well that it's not necessarily available to everyone from a financial perspective, but a support can come in many different ways. And um, once we start looking for it and really finding the strength within us to ask for what we need, it makes a world of difference in how we feel about ourselves as mothers, in how our, our children feel
0: as well. Um, our partnerships, you know, will feel very different as a result too. So the obviously the big part of what we're talking about is the work environment, and yes, workplaces are becoming more flexible and more open to what families need. But there is such a long way to go with that. And I know that we can say, look, you know, sit down and work out: is this environment going to be supportive of your family life and the way you want to live? But what happens if you cannot leave that job? If for whatever reason you're going back to a a job that is demanding, that doesn't care that you've got kids, that is really not that supportive place that you mentioned earlier that you would like to see happen when women return to work, how can women cope with that? I mean, obviously it's not sustainable long-term, but let's just say for the short term you cannot leave, you have to keep working until you find something else that's better. How can you manage that? Because that just ratchets up the pressure, doesn't it? Okay, so yeah, that's a very good point that you're making. If it's a toxic work environment we're talking about,
1: it is not going to be sustainable long term. So yes, there is something that needs to be done further down the track to make sure that you're moving into an an environment that's more sustainable for you. But straight away, I'd say um, the important thing is to perhaps be very clear about your why. Why you're doing what you're doing right now. And, and again, I feel that um, in my work with clients, often this is the missing part. They haven't really worked out why they're returning to one. It was just like a, well, I just thought I would do that. But there hasn't been any conversation even with with their partners, if they have one around, why is that important? So for some people, it's important because obviously it's to put food on the table, to pay a mortgage, etc. So being very clear that there is an objective, like something that you're doing that for. You are, you know supporting and contributing to your family's uh, welfare so and any that's not the case and if you do not do not need to do that because for a lot of women i work with it is not necessarily required for them to to work full-time in that capacity so if that's not the case are there other ways you can contribute or feel a sense of contribution and meaning and fulfillment without having to go back to a toxic work environment so that's also questions to ask and and mm-hmm. things to you know, brainstorm with a partner. Now, if you are there, if you are in, a, in an environment, it's being very clear why you're there. And it's also getting some support outside of you know, your workplace. Sometimes it is still possible to have communication or conversations with your boss or with someone in the workplace around how you can structure your work or the the, the different things you can work on. Most of the time, also. Women are very scared of having these conversations because they're scared of being perceived as being less than. And unfortunately, again, most workplaces nowadays see parents <laughs> returning from the gen to leave outside amenities. They're going to be less committed. They're going to be lazy, blah, blah. So I think it's also trying to uh, have a conversation, very honest conversations about the new strengths that you're bringing in. Most of the time, parents are a lot more resilient. They're more creative. They are very sharp and very laser-focused on their priorities. Very productive. (laughs) Very productive because they can't fluff around. They can't procrastinate anymore. There's no no space for that. And often for mothers, there is this whole, like, bringing this sense of, like, creating beautiful team cultures, having this empathy and this facility to um, really nurture a team environment. So these are all beautiful new strengths that you're bringing. So if you feel like you can, Bringing them out and saying, okay, this is why, you know, what I feel like I'm bringing now as a new mother it might be very different from what you were bringing before you were a mother. But once you affirm yourself in that way, it's a whole new, you know, it's a whole new feeling of like you're not here to be a burden anymore, <laughs> to be perceived as a burden. You're here because you're bringing new um, strength and new, new gifts to the workplace as a result of having been a mom. So communication, so I'm just going to summarize what I said, Um, knowing why you're going back to work, having a plan long term, if it's really toxic of like an exit strategy or something you can do to move into a more supportive environment, having conversations with your your boss and uh, and employers about um, what you can and can't do, what the new strength that you're bringing, how you've changed. (laughs) We need to start having these conversations. And um, the third one being support. So really uh, finding the support, whether it's like a therapist, a coach or um, someone you trust around you who you can talk to and navigate your emotional, mental and physical well-being really while you're transitioning back.
0: Elise, there is so much good advice in there. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having
1: me and... um, yeah, hopefully everyone got the the fact that, you know, it's a very, very hard transition. doesn't have to be very, very hard for everyone, but most of us find it hard. And with all hard transitions, you know, the important thing is to try and bring kindness as much as we can to the process of so being really kind um, to ourselves, patient
0: and finding the support that we need where we need it. That's life coach, Elise Clement. And if you're interested in learning more about her work, you'll find a link to her website in the notes of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love, a listener original podcast. If there's something you'd like to learn more about, email me at feedplaylove at sca.com.au. I'd love to hear from you. For more great kids and parenting podcasts, check out the Listener app and don't forget to follow us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.